This episode of the Allison Spotlight is an interview with Tessa Nappy. She's the owner of Patter Paws Pet Company, which was born of a vision from Tessa of providing services for pets in the comfort of their own home to allow for the lowest level of stress for pets and the highest level of convenience for pet owners. I hope you enjoy the interview and would love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. Today, I am joined by Tessa Nappy, uh, the owner of Patter Paws Pets. How's it going today? Going good. Going good. How are you? I'm doing well. Again, you know, again, beautiful, beautiful day. Again, a little warm, but otherwise, uh, things are going well. Uh, and so, I got connected with Tessa a while back. I can't remember when we first connected through Facebook, but um, mm-hmm. in some business or real estate related thing. But wanted to bring her back on because I saw she was, you know, kind of doing the entrepreneurial thing and sounded like kind of an interesting story, her love of pets and and everything. So uh, again, appreciate you taking the time to jump on and do the uh, Austin Spotlight with me. Of course, of course. So I kind of always start each episode with trying to get a little bit about the guest origin story. So, you know, one, so many people from Austin aren't originally from here. So it's always kind of mm-hmm. where, where people are from. And the and the occasion that someone is from here originally, that's actually more interesting as well, too, because it's kind of a rarity, uh, it feels like. Um, so, yeah, kind of tell you a little bit about your background. What kind of got brought you to Austin when did you kind of move? Where from? Yeah, sure. So um, I am born and raised in New York. Uh, I originally moved out here in 2017. Um, and in September, so it'll almost be six years now. Um, I was hired out here in Austin uh, at a veterinary clinic um, called Austin Vet Care at Central Park. Um, they were a dual clinic at the time, so they took care of like emergencies, but they also did general practice like Monday through Friday, like nine to five type thing, but they always accepted walk-ins. Um, at that point, I was in love with emergency medicine, so I was on our inpatient um, side of things. So I was taking care of the hospitalized patients or, or the emergencies that came in that needed like critical care um, and need to be hospitalized. Um, I was a vet tech for a couple of years, about three years before I moved out here. So it's been about nine years that I have been in the field. Um, yeah. So. So what kind of, what obviously what got you into wanting to be a veterinarian? Obviously I'm assuming there was a love of animals and love of pets, um, in, in that regard, but what kind of sparked your interest, uh, in that field? Uh, yeah. So I just, well, my passion was always to be a veterinarian, not just a vet tech. Um, with money and school debt and everything and, you know, a lot of life happenings that never completed, you know, my degree. But um, I just always had a passion for animals. I love, I, I fell in love with emergency medicine right before I moved out here. Um, and I just, one, I love just being on my toes, walking into work and just never knowing like the medical aspect of it. Like there's so much to learn, so many different cases to see. Um, and then, so I fell in love with emergency medicine and then I just, you know, being able to be like that voice for animals when they're in pain and they're really sick and just being able to be like their advocate has always been like a huge passion of mine because, you know, they can't speak to us. It's hard to tell sometimes when your pet is sick or what's wrong with them because they're not going to tell you, ow, my leg hurts, you know? Um, Just being their advocate. And I'm kind of nerdy in the sense where I love medicine. I love science. So that's kind of, kind of mixed the two, like my passion for animals and my love for medicine. Nice. Yeah. And and a lot of times, 
animals actually do a good job intentionally of hiding it. I mean, house pets, maybe not quite so much, but right. Like, mm-hmm. especially wild animals, which, you know, all dogs and cats are kind of bred from, from that aspect. Like it was in, it's in their best interest not to show weakness and not to show pain right. because, right. you know, that's going to be something that gets um, attacked very aggressively right, right. Uh, out in the wild. And so they have to, so they're just naturally, their instincts are to kind of hide it and not show that. And so it's one of those that can be uh, extra challenging uh, mm-hmm. and you, you can't get across to them that, Hey, let us know about this early and we can make this better for you. Or, you know, <laughs> right. It's hard enough sometimes to get people to want to go into a doctor to do preventative medicine. Sure. So uh, for an animal that can, it's even more challenging that way. Mm-hmm. What did you always have kind of a passion? You mentioned obviously having a passion for medicine. Where, where did that kind of come from? Was that because, you know, I feel like <laughs> I feel like on the medical side of things, like there's a lot of things that people kind of enjoy dabbling in, right? Like somebody might like working on their car, but they don't want to become a mechanic. Mm-hmm. They might like doing, you know, some things here or there. But I, I feel like most people that I know who get into medicine, it, there's not there's not really a whole lot of middle ground like yes the human body and there's interesting components to it but like mm-hmm. people who like to go into emergency medicine whether it be a vet or into you know a regular hospital like just somehow really love it to where most people don't like blood don't like gore don't like all the you know, stitches and stuff and so right. it, seems like it's, it seems like they're kind of very opposite type of people so what kind of what drew in your passion or love for medicine I think just like the passion came from being with animals. Like I love animals. And I think that when I, so like when I was like five, I was like, I want to be a vet. Like that is my calling. That's just what I meant to do. And just, I think that where it came from is just like my love for animals and how I feel as if animals are able to really, they're like therapeutic for me. I have a certain type of relationship that I think that many people do have with animals, but there's certain people who have like a very, very close uh, bond to their animals. And some people are like, well, this is just my dog, <laughs> you know? Um, and for me, like my animals growing up and everything, like they were just like my best friends. Like I leaned on them. I love them. They like brought me so much happiness. I was like, I can't live without them. And I was like, I want to be able, I guess it's just kind of how it like I evolved. I was just like, how can I, help and be around animals every day all day you know like forever and I was like I'm gonna be a vet (laughs) um and I think like my passion just comes from like it's so hard to explain like just that feeling that I get like from my animals like they're just like my babies you know like there's you know and I understand and I can value like for other people like how important an animal is like that's Mm -hmm. their family it's not just to a lot of people some animals are just animals but to also just as many people like animals are part of the family. Um, And I would say that, that even more and more, that's the case. Like it, it, I mean, again, there definitely are instances where it's, you know, just kind of a family pet versus a member of the family per se. But, um, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, I would say it was probably flipped as far as the majority of people had a family pet and they still loved it and stuff, but it was the family pet versus the family per se. And now it seems like it's the reverse to where, most people's pets are their kids are their i mean like it's it's kind of crazy to some, to some degree how much of a shift that it's been in that regard and so mm-hmm. obviously at that point you have people that um you know will do a lot for their pets because of all the joy and all the things that they brought to mm-hmm. them uh in their lives yep. 
I can speak on that. Working in emergency medicine, I mean, you see people drop thousands and thousands of dollars on their animals, you know, and do everything possible to help them, to save them, to make them better, and lots of lots of money. I mean, they're expensive. Animals are an expensive um, addition to a family, that's for sure. As uh, as someone who has enjoyed being on the emergency vet side, how challenging is it? I mean, obviously, I'm assuming the majority of pets that you would see would be dogs or cats. But mm -hmm. obviously, there are a lot of other types of pets who might come in through the door that you're not necessarily expecting when you go into work uh, that day. How challenging is that to have a wide variety of patient breeds um, and different types of animals? because Obviously, you know, unlike going to the ER for a human, well, yes, right. You know, yes, the or your injury may be different, but the anatomy of every human is basically the same. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you know what the problem is, here's how to fix it. Where the anatomy for animals, uh, even again, different breeds of dogs, let alone dogs to, right. cats, to snakes to hamsters to all those different <laughs> things, are definitely going to have some some additional challenges that way. How big of a challenge or um, you know, how, how much does that play a role in the, uh, the emergency or vet, veterinary? So for me, it was pretty mild just because I didn't work. Like there are certain hospitals that see exotics. So for us, like we didn't really see exotics. So if we had something like we would refer them away to a veterinary emergency clinic that did see exotics. Um, I will say that I have dealt with, you know, bunnies and squirrels. My favorite was a baby cub, a baby lion. Uh, that we had hospitalized overnight and it was just I mean that was like an experience you yeah. wouldn't get anywhere else um that was pretty cool um but for the most part um we didn't really handle many like pocket pets and stuff like that um we would refer them to exotics because our doctors didn't see um any exotics like that so sure again right like just because it's definitely a completely different animal than right that would be so you have your doctors that specialize in that you know um i had worked at a clinic for a short period of time that saw birds and stuff like that and it was i mean it's cool it's definitely a learning curve because there's like new things to learn about something when you feel like you've like mastered cats and dogs you're like oh this is new this is like something challenge you know it's a new challenge learn how to handle it learn it dosing for drugs how to put an iv in it like something new you know um so I did have a little, I dipped and dabbled in a couple of experiences like that over the years for sure. Nice. And so then you, you know, so you were doing the emergency vet tech for about nine years and then decided to transition over into owning your own um, business? Yeah, mostly that's kind of how it went down. Um, I had a bit of a back injury. Um, and so I went on medical leave and at that point I wasn't paid. So. Um, I was just um, like doing my services for people in their homes in the meantime, um, as I was working, you know, doing chiropractic work and trying to like repair my back and everything. Um, and I was just very happy. I felt like my quality of life was better. Um, and so I had put my notice in and I had left and just did my business full time. Nice. With emergency and the emergency vet side, I'm assuming it'd be the same kind of random um, 24 hour on call kind of stuff that you would have in the medical space as well. Too? Um, we Maybe didn't have, on on, call, we didn't have on calls. Um, I like the, our surgery team and stuff did for stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but for me, like I was just working 
roughly about 50 hours a week. Um, so four twelve, um, and basically, you know, it's very strenuous at my first, like almost my first like four years out here, I was doing overnight work. Um, and then the clinic I was at got purchased as corporate and we separated from that dual clinic. Um, and I went over to our new clinic, which is right down the street of, um, on Guadalupe. Um, and they did the specialty and emergency. And so I stuck with the emergency because the other clinic was just strictly general practice. Um, so I moved to that new clinic. Were, were there many differences at all from going from New York to, to Texas as far as? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The pace was a bit different, obviously. So I feel like here in Texas, pace was a little bit slower than New York. So that was a little bit of adjustment as far as like in the workforce. Um, and just, um, I mean, I think that was like the biggest difference, you know, um, other than that, you know, everyone, I, I guess the other big difference would be like out here when I, when I started working out here, everybody was just so friendly <laughs> and New York is a little rough around the edges, you know, so like people mm -hmm. treat you a lot, a lot less friendly with a lot less respect. Whereas out here, you know, everyone was just so welcoming and so friendly and um, that can be hard going into a new, in the medical field, you know, there's a lot of cutthroat attitudes and stuff like that and so but out here it was just everyone was just so friendly and welcoming which is really nice yeah i feel like in texas a pet's like an invitation to come up and say hi most of the time or at least say hi to someone's pet um yeah. not, all, not all the time but like in a lot of cases we're obviously mm -hmm. in in new york you know people tend to be you know doing their you do your thing and everyone kind of leaves each other alone and um, yeah. <laughs> not, you know, more standoffish, I guess, maybe is right. a way to put it. And so, which can come off as rude. I don't know that it necessarily always is that way, but it, there definitely is a different kind of culture vibe. Um, for sure. In that regard too. And then mm -hmm. for me personally, I've always kind of felt like one of the reasons, at least Austin specifically as well too, is it seems more inviting is that again, there's so many people like yourself, like myself who have had to relocate and so there's just more there's the there's a mindset of people of knowing that you were new at one point in time and you enjoy you know like just getting to know new people is kind of part of that hey if you were willing to travel across country to someplace you're not familiar with hey then meeting right. people and kind of being a little bit more outgoing is kind of something that you have to be willing to do to kind of get um become a part of the community and so i think right, that, right because there's just all of those people from all different parts of the country, it kind of leads just to that being a little bit different vibe than again in New York where not that there aren't people that move there, but it feels like a lot of the people that are there have grown up there and maybe even lived in mm -hmm. that area for a couple of generations. Right, right. Yeah, definitely very different culture. <laughs> was, and you mentioned, uh, was the, it's like the, the pace of stuff obviously a little bit different, which I think most people understand, but even like the pace, uh, at work and stuff like that was different or just the pace of life of needing to always be on the go or, um, or both? Uh, I would say like the actual work was slower. Okay. Um, and I learned to like become more patient by living sure. out here. Um, but yeah, like actual working and moving and getting things done was a little bit more chilled and relaxed than what I was used to. Um, but I mean, definitely not a bad thing because I mentioned yeah. it's probably always better to take your time than not, <laughs> for sure. And I think part of that 
also comes from, and we're, again, we're seeing it now as real estate prices are increasing here is like for a business that just recently got a lease where the rent's gone up 50% in the last two years, they have to do a lot more business to make that mm -hmm. lease that lease and that rent pay off. And so again, same thing from a vet standpoint, right? Like if you're a vet in New York city and you're paying New York city real estate prices and rent prices, like you've got to get a lot of work done in order to kind of make that, uh, yeah. be a profitable business where again, if you come mm -hmm. coming, if you're here in Austin, even though obviously prices in real estate have gone up quite a bit, they're still nowhere near New York prices. And so you don't have to necessarily go and get as many procedures done or as many, as much sales done in order to kind of have mm -hmm. a successful practice or business that way. Right. Right. So, um, so with your business, Patter Paws Pets, um, fun, uh, alliteration there to try to, you know, trip up people who say <laughs> that. Um, so you st it started off kind of as more of a necessity with you getting injured. Um, that way, what kinds of things do, does your company provide the pet community here in Austin? Yeah. Um, so when I first started off and then I've had my business actually, since I was in living in New York, um, I just like, I branded myself, I built a Facebook page and all that, but due to working in the field, I just never had time to do this full time. So I would just pet sit and I would just do, uh, different services on the side, um, for extra additional income. Um, and so I had my business, I just hadn't been able to like run, run with it um 100 percent full time um so when i started off it was a, a lot of pet sitting um i had a couple clients i was doing subcutaneous fluids for their animals that were in kidney failure something like your typical person wouldn't know how to do unless you're trained to like give fluids as a technician um i have clients that i do simple injections for monthly allergy injections vaccines because they're you know too frightened at the vet and they're a better candidate at home um I don't provide the vaccines. Of course, the vet, if they're comfortable with a long-term client, will like provide it with their client, and then I'll just hop, hop in, do a little poke, and we're done. Um, and then it, it kind of started off like that kind of stuff, like pet sitting and and medication administrating stuff like that. Before I went full time, um, and then I started to groom. That became a huge. There's a huge demand for it, um, and so I kind of learned as I go, self-taught. <laughs> um, and so I started grooming. Um, I also took on training because I've always loved training animals. I've trained a handful of my own, like my own dog and friends' dogs. Um, so I kind of just ventured into that. And that's some, one of the services I offer that I love the most because like, you know, your animals live a long period of time. Like you want to enjoy them. You, you don't want to be frustrated with them all the time. Um, and there's a lot to, there's a lot of training and there's a lot of, very easy quick fixes to different behaviors so i'll do basic obedience training and also like behavioral training so if you're barking jumping uh, aggression those kind of things but also just basic things like sometimes i have puppies that i train sit stay down all that fun stuff leave it and all that good stuff um and then pet sitting of course um, at this point, I only offer pet sitting like in South Austin in my area, um, obviously with gas prices and like people usually want their pets checked on two, three times a day. And that's only really possible if they're local to me. Sure. Um, I do offer pet sitting um, up north, um, but it is my partner. One of my other, uh, I have two uh, veterinary technicians that don't per se like work for me, but I kind of outsource um, any 
inquiries to them. Um, up north, I have somebody near Cedar Park, and then I also have someone in like um, domain area. Sure. So that's not off limits. <laughs> um, and then other small things like people need individual grooming services, like nail trims, uh, ear cleanings. Some people just want, like, you know, the dog's paw shaved, it's just individual services. But I'd say at this point, my business majority of inquiries I get is for grooming. Yeah. Have the services and stuff kind of evolved based on what people start asking for, or was it something where you always where you wanted to always offer kind of all these different types of things? Um, I always, yeah, wanted to learn how to groom um, and offer that service. It's kind of like almost like for me, I'm a very creative person. I'm a very hands-on, like I'm not artsy, but I'm like creative. So for me, I always wanted to learn it because it's like you get to kind of individualize things and be creative when you do it. Um, so that was something I always like kind of wanted to bring into my business. Um, and eventually I started off um, and it just, you know, there's such a high demand. Like groomers usually have are booked out months and months you know um and then the thing that you know makes my business unique is that there's a lot of dogs that are too anxious to you know go to grooming salons or even be in a mobile van and then you have a lot of dogs that are aggressive that just do so much better at home um i have a handful of dogs who are i have clients who have dogs in heart failure who can't be like heavily stimulated because they can have a, a single thinkable episode where they'll just faint um or even worse of course because you know they're in heart failure i have older i have older dogs who can't stand which groomers will turn away um so i'm able to kind of cater to those people that who groomers can be very particular in who they do and don't want to service because there's such a high demand there's mm -hmm. plenty of op options um but me as a small business owner you know like i don't have unlimited options and i also have a lot of experience like dealing with you know dogs that can't walk and elderly heart failure dogs and so that I think brings me a little bit of comfort in itself that I have that experience and I know like would know what to do in a situation like that um and whatnot yeah and it sounds like it's probably something that you kind of enjoy being able to provide uh, as well too because it's something that's not so something that the average groomer provides yeah. And I mean, like these animals need to be groomed as part of their quality of life and feeling good. And so like, if so, no one's going to do it, you know, like I can take pride and say like, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And, and I've even like helped people out who don't have a ton of money. You know what I mean? Like I'm not here to just turn you away and say, Oh no, like I won't work with you financially. Like I'll, you know, within reason, of course, you know, I have to consider like my time and my gas and so forth. But like at the same point, like these animals, like they don't have a voice you know what I mean like and being clean and groomed and not matted and that that forth like that kind of stuff like that's part of their quality of life you know sure no unfortunately I'm sure uh, you have to pay bills as well too so it's one of those where yeah. <laughs> it's one, there'd be a lot of things that'd be kind of nice to be able to work for free from time to time but it's like well unfortunately uh everyone else won't let me live my life for free so it's not gonna right be an easy thing to do yeah. happen, so. um, so what are kind of some of the goals and plans for the business going forward? Obviously you mentioned that um, you kind of have, it almost sounds like they're more like referral partners for other parts of, of the city and stuff too. Mm -hmm. Do you plan to kind of just continue to grow, focus mostly around the the grooming side of things or um, any 
Um, I personally would like to continue to grow. I would like it like to get to a point where I can hire somebody to do the grooming. Um, not that I dislike it. It's just, it's hard on my back still. Um, and I have other, some other plans. I am hoping to, in about June or July, I'm hoping to launch a new service where I offer like start to finish party planning for dogs birthdays. Um, where like you kind of just pick the place and I essentially plan, you know, create the invitation, um, set up, clean up, like you just show up with your friends and your dogs. And uh, I'm working on the business plan now, kind of just like what type of um, packages I want to offer and what they're going to include and all that good stuff. So I'm hoping to like kind of get that ball rolling by like June or July um, and kind of, I would love to get to a point where I can pull away from grooming and hire somebody to do that part and then focus on that. And then I'm also hoping to launch like my own homemade um, pet treats and then kind of evolve into like, you know, pet treats with purpose, like CBD treats, uh, dental treats, stuff like that. Um, so those are kind of my goals moving forward. Um, but, you know, I'm still wanting to offer all my services the way I do. And I think having most of pretty much all of my friends are vet techs. <laughs> so having that is really nice because, you know, I think that makes people more comfortable when they have somebody watching their pets, especially if they have past medical issues or if they need medications. Um, I have clients who have cats that need, you know, insulin injections twice a day and stuff like that. And so um, that kind of, you know, and every technician I know knows how to do CPR or stuff like that. So that kind of uses people with pet sitting and just even when groom when you're grooming, there's times where I've, hey, your dog has a mask, like, or, or, or a lump I'm concerned about, or um, I did an anal gland expression and I found a polyp on the dog and I was just like, hey, you should probably get this checked out, you know, like, just like those types of things that like maybe your average groomer would be like, oh, that's weird, you know, but like I'm able to kind of gauge like, is this important, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you have the, you have the experience, not that you necessarily diagnose it, but you have the experience to know, hey, this is something that you should definitely go get checked out or get more information about versus um just thinking this is something that's normal or right um, or just got missed yeah or yeah or not realizing it like you know, that's you know mm -hmm. if i was grooming a dog i just wouldn't even realize that that's a, was a, it was a thing at all right <laughs> so uh, what are some of the best ways that people can get in touch if they have more interest in either the grooming services or any of the other things that you uh, offer yeah so facebook is a huge platform for me um, obviously when I started my business off, um, I didn't have a website. I do at this point have a website, but my website is like, I'm kind of reconstructing it at the moment. Um, but once it is back up and running, it'll just be patterballspetco.com. Um, but Facebook is really my biggest platform. I do have an Instagram. I don't seem to get a lot of business from Instagram, but I kind of just, um, I like to post like grooming pictures and stuff. A lot of clients are like, Hey, do you have any pictures of, you know, doodles you've done or Maltese's you've done? And I'll just kind of send them to my Instagram. Um, so I just kind of post my clients there and I like to, you know, show happy animals at home, comfortable, like during groomings or when their parents are out of town and stuff like that. And just kind of, you know, obviously the whole purpose of my business is for it to be low stress for pets to be comfortable in their own environment. Um, and it's, 
you know, also convenient for owners and just for owners also to feel comfortable as well, be able to like watch or sit by, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my regular clients, my owners, like they're working from home. So they're like in another room and I'm just grooming, but like a lot of owners are like, you know, like, I think my dog has been traumatized at the groomer, which is very possible. I'm like, you're welcome to stand here and watch and just you can chat and, you know, you can give your pet treats and pet your pet, your pet, whatever you want to do, you know? Um, but I think, as far as my platforms go, I think Facebook is probably my best way to reach me. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, I wouldn't have necessarily thought, but I'm sure there are some pets that, you know, again, just the way people don't like going to the dentist, that some pets don't like going to the groomers. And so this way, having it in their own home and having their owner to be able to be there if they need to can probably be reassuring. Yes, I think so. Very nice. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the uh, Austin Spotlight and chatting yeah. about it. Again, it's it's always interesting to hear just all the different types of businesses and business owners mm-hmm. that we have here in, in Austin, Texas and, and their stories because each one's unique and a lot of the businesses are uh, super interesting. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yes. Thank you so much. Hope everyone out there has a wonderful day.